Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, this is Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries. I am so glad that you're with us today because we have something extraordinarily exciting to talk about. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, and a passage of Scripture that is actually incredibly useful for Jewish evangelism. We're sharing the gospel with Jewish people for a multitude of reasons that we'll talk about a little bit later. So let me introduce my co-host, Bobby Walter, who leads our New York region and is the co-pastor of Beth Sar Shalom Congregation. Right, Bobby? That's right, Mitch. Uh, so shalom, Mitch, and uh, shalom and welcome to all of our listeners. As always, we are grateful that you're investing the time and, uh, and joining us today. You know, Bobby, one of the things I wanted to mention to you and also to our audience is that this is the Chosen People's radio program, episode 100. Oh, my goodness. Is wow. that if time flies, huh? Who knew? Who and, knew we would come this far? And it's so wonderful to be able to celebrate uh, this 100th edition of the Chosen People where we are able to once again help our brothers and sisters see the Bible through Jewish eyes, and hopefully then to be able to share the good news of Jesus with Jewish friends and loved ones. And one of the ways we share the gospel is by using what's called the Sermon on the Mount because the Sermon on the Mount is just so, so Jewish. <laughs> it's when, when I was thinking about Jesus, I, I was reading through uh, the New Testament, and I quickly came to the Sermon on the Mount, which begins in Matthew chapter 5. And I was just so confused, because hmm. I was given the New Testament a chance, but being raised in a traditional Jewish home, I really thought the New Testament was sort of like... A, the best kept Gentile secret in the world, you know? And Jews just didn't know anything about it. But when I began reading chapter five, the Sermon on the Mount, I said, wow, it just sounds so Jewish. And, you know, Jesus is acting like my Hebrew school rabbi, you know? Mm. And, and, and the way he talked and the way he reasoned, the way he argued and the stories he told and the way he said it, it was just so very Jewish. And it put me at ease. And the sermon has put a lot of Jewish people at ease so that they can take a deep breath and consider whether or not Jesus is who he claims to be. So, Bobby, there's a, a lot to this Jewish background of the Sermon on the Mount. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Because I know you've, you've studied this in quite a bit of depth. Yes, yes, Mitch. And as you know, I love Matthew's gospel. I think it's in the top four for me, you know? <laughs> um, but it really, I, I really love Matthew's gospel and the way that he uh, intentionally presents Jesus in a Jewish context, uh, because it's believed that Matthew is like the most Jewish out of the four gospels, as if any of the four are, are not Jewish, right? Even uh, Luke? Even Luke? Well, yeah, you know, there's this argument that could be made that Luke was a Gentile, that Luke was Jewish, either way. You know what the strongest argument is for Luke being Jewish, right? I do. Why don't you share with us? He was a doctor. He was a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> if he was a Gentile believer, though, he knew the Old Testament very well. Mm. Uh, so it's definitely to be uh, respected and admired. Um, but one thing I love about the Sermon on the Mount, 
is, Mitch, like you said, there's so much depth there. And one of the ways, before we sort of jump into the sermon itself, uh, one of the ways that Matthew frames the Sermon on the Mount is um, in sort of like new Moses terms. He wants to present Jesus, Yeshua, to his audience as the new Moses or as the prophet greater than Moses. And one of the ways we see that is actually in the people's response to the sermon in Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 and 29. After the sermon is given, the people were amazed uh, at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Right. So this authority that he's teaching them with, uh, again, is sort of like an echo of what we find in the life and ministry of Moses. So really, the first four chapters of Matthew's gospel, Matthew is intentionally framing Yeshua through his birth narrative, through his baptism, through the temptation in the wilderness that he experienced. And then when we get to the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he's framing it in mosaic kind of terms for us. So there's, there's many connection points to be made between Jesus and Moses in all of these different events that we see in those first four chapters. Right. And then, of course, when we come to the Sermon on the Mount, this is like the new Sinai that's taking place. Not to denigrate the original Sinai and, and what God spoke and gifted Israel with at Sinai, but to take it to a deeper level for us. We have Yeshua uh, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. When Yeshua saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And this terminology here is very similar to what we find in Exodus 19 and Exodus 20 with Mount Sinai when Moses went up the mountain. Uh, So Jesus goes up on the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them. So, Mitch, why don't you jump in here now and uh, maybe give us a little bit of information on what Jesus opened with in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's call him Rabbi Jesus for the moment, okay? I love <laughs> because, it. <Go> ahead. <laughs> because he really, he really shows off his rabbinic chops here uh, because he acts so rabbinic. So, he went to teach his disciples. Now, the Greek word for a disciple and the Hebrew word for disciple are very similar in its meaning. Methetes is the Greek word, but the Hebrew word is tamadim. That's plural, mm-hmm. his disciples. And that's a well-known word uh, within Judaism today, particularly among religious Jews. And we understand that both terms mean essentially a learner. And so a disciple is a learner. It's one who learns from the rabbi. And there's some great books about second century, second temple period Jewish uh, backgrounds, uh, sitting at the feet of Jesus and a number of Mm -hmm. different uh, books which describe how a first century rabbi did his ministry and how his disciples actually followed him. In fact, one of the interesting things is it was most common for a first century Jewish rabbi to invite his disciples to live with him. Mm. Now, I hope he asked his wife first, and I don't know where he got the budget for food, but he had them live with him. And that's why you see, uh, like little ducklings, you see uh, his disciples following Jesus around everywhere he went. And that would not have been unusual because there was a, a multitude of rabbis, particularly itinerant, mystic Galilean rabbis, who always walked around with a group of, of disciples. So in understanding the Jewishness of Jesus, it's not that 
Jesus brought in something totally new. Certainly, he brought in a lot that was new. But mm -hmm. he didn't bring in something totally new. He behaved like he was part of the Jewish people, that he was a mm -hmm. rabbi, and that he had disciples, and that he taught. And, uh, and so, it's what he taught that really made the difference in what kind of rabbi uh, he was. He was far more than a rabbi. He was the Messiah. So, after he sat down, his Talmudim, or his Methetes, his disciples, the ones he was teaching who were hanging around with him and learning from him 24-7. That was the method of discipleship, and it works today, too, to do that. And he opened his mouth and began uh, to teach them. An interesting phrase. Uh, everything here is going to be centered on the uniqueness of Jesus' authority to teach what he teaches. Mm. And the basic method of Jewish teaching, even in the first century, was to not just quote scripture, but then to quote what other rabbis said about the passages. Right. And that is the way the Talmud, the Jewish commentary on the Old Testament, was, was developed. And so the first thing Jesus says, and he does this eight times, because there are eight Beatitudes. Uh, Beatitude is from Beata, which means blessed in Latin, but we're going to focus on the Hebrew word, not the Latin word, because Jesus probably didn't speak Latin, although he could have learned it, I'm sure, if he wanted to. And so it's very interesting to note the first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed, then the second, blessed are those who mourn. And so eight times, Yeshua, Jesus, uses this term, blessed. And uh, the Greek word makarios is a great word, but it harkens us back to the Hebrew word. Right. Sometimes some Greek words that were used are just so Jewish, but you had to sort of be a Jew who knew Greek, which the disciples were, which Jesus was, in order to really understand it. The, the Hebrew word is ashrei, mm -hmm. and ashrei should, is best translated happy, happy, joyful, happy. So right. happy is are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and then it goes on. Now, one of the ways to really understand the Hebrew word ashrei, which, by the way, is a regular prayer in the daily prayers of a Jewish person as well as in the synagogue. And so the ashrei is very important. And so there is a fundamental belief in Judaism that God wants to keep the Jewish people happy. And if we obey him, we're a lot happier. But let me read verse 1 of Psalm 1. Blessed, or ashrei, blessed, happy, is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, verse 2, is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night, and then just verse 3, he will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. In general, Jewish people memorize Psalm 1. So many Jewish people, particularly religious Jewish people, which so many were at that time, knew Psalm 1 and understood what it was about our relationship with God that made us happy. And happiness was associated with those who were his disciples, who followed God and who followed the Messiah. So you can be a happy disciple of Jesus, a learner, if you stay close to him and follow him around, which is part of being a good Jewish disciple or Gentile disciple. But you can be happy 
if you are obedient to the word of God. You don't stand with sinners. You don't uh, sit with scoffers, but you meditate and believe in and study the law of the Lord. That's what it means to delight in it, to meditate it on it. And then you will be like a tree planted by streams of water, maybe more like a palm tree or some kind of tree that bends when the wind blows, uh, because you have that relationship with the Lord undergirding your entire relationship with him. And so my prayer as we study the Beatitudes, as we study the Sermon on the Mount, is that you will not only learn more about each of these wonderful Beatitudes and the rest of the sermon, but that you'll be obedient as a good disciple so that the Lord might fill you with, with happiness, so that you will be an ashray person walking with Jesus and serving him in this sometimes very dark and unhappy sinful world. Did you know that Jesus celebrated the Seder with his disciples? It's true. And if you'd like to learn more about the Jewish history and heritage of your faith, then we'd love for you to request a free copy of our booklet, Passover, A Time of Redemption. Learn about the candles, the cups, and how Passover is related to the Last Supper of Jesus and his disciples. This step-by-step -step study will help you discover the history of the Messianic prophecies that are revealed in this God-appointed season. And it's a great way to connect with your Jewish friends and family. There are even Passover recipes included. Our booklet, Passover, A Time of Redemption, is free and available right now when you go online to chosenpeople.com radio. That's chosenpeople.com radio. Or ask for this informative and educational booklet when you call 888-2-YESHUA. That telephone number again is 888-293-7482. Chag Pesach Sameach. Have a happy Passover season. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. Our next story of transformation comes to us from Bill Sigler. During his youth, Bill grew up in a religious Jewish family and was heavily involved in Jewish life and community. And though he knew a lot about the Jewish religion, he felt as if he didn't really know all that much about God beyond his family's traditions. So when one of his Jewish friends gave him a New Testament, he decided to read it. And as he read the words of Jesus, he finally discovered that it was possible to know the details and stories about the Bible, but also the author in an intimate and personal way. Bill's a wonderful brother. He's a tremendous guitar player, graduate of the Berklee School of Music, a wonderful musician. And I know that you're going to appreciate this, this terrific testimony. He's talking about the Torah. He's talking about the prophets. Now that was another big aha moment. Whoa, that this, this Gentile God, if you will, is Jewish. I'm originally from New York City. Um, grew up in a Jewish home. When I was a child, I went to synagogue. I remember learning about Abraham, David and Goliath learning to read Torah portion, learning to chant blessings. There was a religion that I was being taught that I learned pretty well and an identity that I was taught and I learned pretty well. What it meant to be a Jew. But what about the God of the Jews? That was kind of like a missing piece. I was working as a camp counselor 
beautiful place on, on the lakes, Lake Winnipesaukee up in New Hampshire. I began to look at the, the incredible creation, looking at the mountains, looking at the lakes, looking at the trees. For the first time in my life, something began to open up. There's no way that this could have happened just by itself. I had a friend back then who showed up at the camp just at the same time I did, another Jewish kid. He had a Bible with him, and that Bible included the New Testament. My first reaction was, you know, why, why are you even, like, looking at that? Why are you even considering that? What's, what's the point? How could you, you know, give that any regard at all? This was the Gentile religion. This was the non-Christian thing. This was the, the religion for those people. One day, and I really can't tell you why. Maybe curiosity, I don't know. I opened up my friend's Bible. Now, I had never opened the New Testament in my life. And I, I looked at what Jesus was saying there. The first thing I read goes like this. Blessed are those who know their need of God. They shall be satisfied. I was never exposed to such a question or never exposed to such a, a proposition. Hey, did you ever consider that you might need God? Something hit me here. Knowing your need of God. And for the first time in my life, I began to realize, you know something? I think I might need that. And the synagogue, like I said, it taught me about being Jewish. It taught me the stories of, of, of the Bible. But the, there was a difference between learning stories and learn, knowing the author. If I could possibly come to a knowledge of him, not just know about him or not just know, you know what he said to do or not to do, if I could somehow know him, that would be the best knowing that there is. I began to, to seek in my heart, and I began to read more of this Jesus and the words of this Jesus. I, I learned that he's Jewish. He's talking about the Torah. He's talking about the prophets. He's talking about David. He's talking about Elijah. I was reading the words of a rabbi. This was not what I expected, opening up the Gentile Bible. He was addressing issues of my heart, how I should relate to other people, what, how, or, or how God is so righteous and holy and that he wants me in my heart to be righteous and holy. I know that I'm impure, I know, I know that I'm not right, I know that there's so much imperfection, but I also see this, this, this perfection before me this beauty before me. And I read in, in the Hebrew Bible how God's messenger, God's servant was wounded. He was bruised for our iniquities, sins. Something had happened, something had turned my heart around and I became open to God and the fulfillment of everything that my upbringing pointed to. I was second semester in school. There was nobody in the dormitory room but me. 
and I had been reading and soaking it all in, thinking about it and mulling over this for months. But I finally, I got up from my bed, stood up, and I just kind of, I said to myself, you know, I might as well just admit it. I believe this. This is who I am. I, I felt something, like physically, come over me. The top of my head and kind of going down. It was real. It was there. It was like almost physically you could feel it, but it, I knew that it was kind of like the air. It wasn't, you couldn't grasp it, but it was there. Came down. But most importantly, what this was saying to me, I, I remembered as clear as day. It was saying to me, son, what you have just said is the truth. As a Jew believing in the Jewish Messiah, I'm more complete as a Jew than I ever was. When I opened up my heart to see beyond prejudice, to see beyond artificial walls that have been created over the centuries, and I began to understand that my faith is complete, that I do not have to wait forever to know who this Messiah is, who this one who is to come, who it is at the Passover that we're waiting for when we open up the door and look outside. I know who he is. I know that he needed to come as Messiah, the suffering servant, and that one day he will come again as Messiah, the King of Kings. From humble beginnings in Brooklyn, New York, to serving in 18 countries across the globe, Chosen People Ministries exists to share the knowledge of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, with God's chosen people. Our outreach programs include evangelism and discipleship, messianic centers and congregations, and equipping local churches for Jewish evangelism. If you have a heart to reach the Jewish people in your community with the love of Messiah, connect with us today. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com radio. And then be sure to check out our I Found Shalom videos. You'll find the links to these resources and so much more on our website. And with your help, we'll continue proclaiming the good news through Yeshua the Messiah to Jewish people around the world for years to come. To learn more, go to chosenpeople.com radio. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our discussion today focused on the Sermon on the Mount, and we know that Jesus delivered this talk at the beginning of his ministry. And our offer this month is a booklet that touches upon the end of his ministry, the Passover season. And we would love to send you a copy. That's right, Bobby. Before he was taken away to Calvary, Jesus celebrated the Passover Seder with his disciples in that upper room. And our book, Passover, A Time of Redemption, provides a quick tour of the traditional Passover meal and highlights the points that especially are meaningful to believers today. You can request a free copy of the book online when you visit chosenpeople.com radio. You can also ask for the book by writing to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street in New York, New York, 10022. Or ask for Passover, a time of redemption, when you call us at 888-293-7482. And when you connect with us today, 
don't forget to let us know where and how you're listening to this program. And now let's wrap up today's program with the Aaronic Benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.